So I was now facing toward the discomfort and then I saw both and. And this is when the sacred choice, I call it, comes into play. So if you face these kind of things in your life, you, you all of a sudden have agency over your life and your experiences and you have a choice to make. That was Sarah Blondin. And this is Energy Matters. Welcome to Energy Matters, exploring awakening to your authentic self and finding purpose through mind, body, and soul. With your hosts, Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by intuitivevision.net and groundedmind.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Energy Matters. And uh, David, I must say, I'm bowing down to you saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. (laughs) Because you have (laughs) gone above and beyond today in uh, getting us a wonderful guest that uh, I'm very excited about interviewing and uh, getting to talk to her, Sarah Blondin, who is the creator of the uh, Live Awake Project. And uh, what an awesome, awesome guest. She's amazing. I listen to her on Insight Timer all the time. She's one of the most popular teachers on there. She's so genuine, so honest, so bright. And she has this knack to bring people into their hearts, to accept themselves for the way they are, and to teach them how to really harness that space for themselves. And she does an amazing guided meditation for us at the end of this episode, which was, I kind of sprung on her last moment by asking. I didn't tell her we were going to do that. (laughs) Sarah, I hope you're cool with it. It Put her on the spot a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. That was fun. That was really fun. Um, You know, it's the thing that I enjoyed about um, the whole conversation is just hearing how much she, how much of a journey she went through to get to, the place where she is offering teaching. And and that's yeah. a, a really beautiful thing, I think, to uh, be able to share in the journey of uh, someone. So. We're excited for you all to listen. Let's get into it. But right before we do, uh, if you're not on the Energy Matters podcast newsletter and you'd like to be, it's uh, just energymatterspodcast.com. We send out all, all the episodes so you don't miss anything. And Cody and I are going to Costa Rica April 28th to May 4th. Come with us. We just launched it. Um, we're really excited. It's going to be a yoga meditation retreat. We've got a sound healer. Beautiful retreat center in Costa Rica. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, that's going to be pretty cool. All right. We've got Sarah Blondin on. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Energy Matters podcast. I am here with my co-host, Cody Edner. And today we have the amazing Sarah Blondin on. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you on. I've been listening to your meditations on Insight Timer, and they're so good and so unique. (laughs) And it's almost like poetry with music in the background guiding you. When you started Live Awake, was that your goal, is to create this poetic kind of movement of energy into the meditations? Because it's such a unique style. I know. And it just like, if you try and ask me to break down the process, it was kind of this really organic thing that just started happening. Essentially, these guided meditations were journal entries that I had written to myself. 
So there oh, were kind wow. of very personal things that I was digesting at the time. And, and then all of a sudden they started flowing with this incredible poetry and vivid kind of detail that I don't feel entirely responsible for. And then I just started recording them with my voice and I didn't know what I was going to do with them. And then I ended up sending it to my dad's partner. And she said, you have a really meditative voice. Maybe you should add a meditation at the end. And I said, oh, and it was kind of the missing piece. And so then I added these meditations. And when I went to write the meditations, I would literally, it would take me like three minutes. It was like, just this incredible guidance system just flowed right out of me. Um, And then music has always been kind of a really big thing for me. And I just started incorporating it. And then I didn't even know what I was going to do with them. So, and then it just kind of turned into a podcast. (laughs) And it just really exploded. I mean, you have millions of streams and um, yeah, it's just, it's going so well. You know, sometimes I Skype Cody and he, I'll catch him listening to one and I see tears in his eyes. (laughs) 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 Like, which one are you listening to, Cody? He's like, surrender. I'm listening to surrender. (laughs) Yeah. So when did you when did you start, Sarah? Like when did you start your podcast or start recording all this? How long of a process was it too before you started to release it more to the public? I don't remember. The podcast actually started being released uh, soon after my first son was born, and he's three and a half now. So. Actually, everything kind of coincides at the same time because my children and the birth of my children, they really galvanized me and inspired me in ways that I've never been. They really woke me up, I think. So what happened when I got pregnant with my first son is I moved from downtown Vancouver following the instructions of spirit to kind of totally submerse myself in nature. Mm. And so kind of in haste, my husband and I sold our condo and just rented a house in this place called Summerland, BC, which is wine country. And so I was really, at the same time I was pregnant, I was removed from all of my comforts. I had no method of escape other than going into the forest where, you know, it just forces you to look at yourself even more. And then that's kind of when I started trying to process these kind of struggles that I was having. Because when you don't have your usual methods of escape, I find all of these things will be brought to your attention one after another, and you're not, you can't run away from them. So I had to find a way to really kind of change my perspective and my experience. So to bring light to it, instead of falling into this kind of pit of struggle. Hmm. So while I was pregnant, I was writing this material. And then after he was born, I think I went into the production phase. And then after he was born, even more material started coming because children do that to you. Hmm. And then I think I just started releasing them on SoundCloud or iTunes, uh, yeah, right after he was born. So that was kind of my lifeline because children are really, for me, it wasn't a really graceful experience. I wasn't that mother that just loved staying up all night and being with their babies. I, I really kind of resisted it. So to have this kind of outlet of writing really kind of saved me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you write them out, you write out all of your meditations first? Hmm. Well, what kind of happens is I'll have something I'm struggling with. So surrender is kind of the most popular one on Insight Timer, I think. Hmm. That was speaking to kind of the whole resisting motherhood, resisting change, resisting newness in this environment that I was in. So I would kind of have this word that would just keep saying surrender, surrender, surrender in my head. And then I'd go to write and it would pour out of me. And then I write the meditation part afterwards. That's incredible. Um, 
yeah, it's really a neat experience. And I can still watch myself. Like I'll just get sentences, like make it sacred was a sentence that just kept popping into my head as I was walking around in the forest. It was like, make it sacred. And then I go, I put my music on my head and I say, make it sacred. And within 10 minutes, I have this piece written. Wow. And for people listening, Sarah, who go, how come I don't go into this forest and get downloads that turn into amazing content? You know, or how can I? Really, the question is, if you were to teach people how to start to get those downloads, that inspiration, or to open, so at least there's the space for that to happen. Is there a process for you that you could share? Or is it literally just kind of divine intervention, like a lightning strike or a soft waterfall? How does it work? It looks on the outside, kind of like a lightning strike. But Mm -hmm. what really, Mm -hmm. if you look back at the history of my life and kind of the way things have progressed, I've always been a contemplative type of person. I've always needed that time to process things. I've always used writing and journaling to access kind of a better, wider perspective. So I've always been using that as kind of a lifeline. Mm. And then I've always really, really had this deep longing within myself to kind of lead a really meaningful life. So that question's always been kind of in there. And so that's always kind of been the motivational force behind everything I do. So if that intent within you is very clear and you're quite resolute on that, you kind of start looking for wisdom and guidance from the external world or through whispers or whatever. You're really just like on high alert for it. So if I was going to teach it, that's kind of what I would say is kind of become very clear in your intent for wanting to do this. And intention is everything. We know that. So if you're kind of learning to shift your focus into those realms, it will start waking up more and more for you. And then the more and more that starts to wake up and you start actually following through with the guidance or the instructions, the more you develop kind of a trusting relationship with this, right? So it's kind of a really long, long process, but you're not supposed to be looking at as like, I want to make something beautiful. It's more, I want to just be in the best alignment with my highest wisdom at all times. Mm. And if something beautiful comes from that, wonderful. But no matter what, something beautiful will come out from it. I'm not saying it will be a podcast, but you will develop a more trusting relationship with yourself and with the world at the same time. Mm. And then whatever comes from that, you know, consider yourself just blessed. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you're saying you can't really approach it from the perspective of trying to create content. No. And have this come through. No. Um, in that journey, did you consider it a spiritual journey? Have you kind of been spiritually minded along the way? Or yeah, always. That's kind of rooted in that idea. Yeah, it's always been rooted in that idea. And from that idea, and, because I, I would be following my guidance and doing different things that I thought I, I graduated with journalism and I wanted to be an actress. So I was kind of following those things. But what I found out, the same thread tying it all together was trying to find truth and trying to make people feel at the same time. Hmm. And then it kind of changed in, and writing has always been my thing. So it kind of just all married together. And now, now we're in this phase of my life. So we'll see what happens next, I guess. That's so cool. And and do you find that you, so you said like the surrender one, there was some resistance and frustration there. Do you find that a lot of times you hit some level of energy where you get a little stuck or invalidated? And then from that, as you move through it, the content comes through? 
Exactly. But it's only in facing the struggle that you are able to gain a higher perspective. So you really have to learn to turn toward yourself very courageously and very deliberately. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, I just gave my book proposal to an agent and I was upset that within the first hour, there wasn't a response saying that, you know, my (laughs) book was incredible. Right. And I was like operating under this kind of like grumbly energy. And then I finally sat down and I took my journal and I said, what needs to be looked at here? And then I just say it all. I don't let my pen stop. I just write and I write and I write. I do not lift my pen from the page. I do not edit. I do not add commas. I do nothing of the sort. So you keep kind of your thinking mind out of it and you just Mm -hmm. let your emotional mind run. But I had to face that surly energy. And what I found when I dove into the energy was that there was two people operating within me at the time. So one of them was very logical and understanding and in peace with the process. It said, you know, these people are busy. You should expect a week at least, you know, this very calm, accepting energy. And if this man is not, you know, the agent for you, then so be it. And totally accepting of this. And then I found this other part of me, the part that was traipsing me around in this kind of crappy energy was, you know, what people call the ego or the part that was operating on, I need more yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And trying to get to a place constantly and needing to be fed by kind of praise and whatever. So then I, I saw all of a sudden, I was all of a sudden aware of these two knowings within me. So I was now facing toward the discomfort. And then I saw both and. And this is when the sacred choice, I call it, comes into play. So if you face these kind of things in your life, you, you all of a sudden have agency over your life and your experiences, and you have a choice to make. And then you have to re-choose and re-choose and re-choose to refocus on the, the knowing inside of you that you want. Do you want to keep being traipsed around by the ego, or do you want to choose the self that really is at peace with this experience? It's not easy <laughs> um, to choose and it actually requires like almost constant choice because the ego is very strong in that sense you know it's always operating and it's always trying to fix things for you so it's kind of you know hard not hard it's just requires a lot of awareness yeah. <laughs> it's annoying awareness <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's a beautiful point you make about finding the both and because I think so often in our world, we approach it from an either-or perspective. And when you start to move into a spiritual perspective, you're always confronted with a paradox. Mm -hmm. And you can only meet that paradox with the both and Mm -hmm. and resolve it and get to the other side of it, which is the truth. Exactly. Yeah. But as long as you know, like the only way you can actually know, you're not wrong to feel the both end. You're not wrong to feel the other. And I think that's what people kind of get hung up on is they say, oh, I'm feeling this shitty thing inside and I don't want to look at it because if I look at it, it's going to swallow me whole and whatever. We just want to avoid it. Right. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm totally, I do the same thing. So we feel wrong for feeling the other within us. But yeah. we're not wrong to feel the other. The, the truth right. of feeling the other is that you are actually wise. This is called wisdom. That's the, you know, you are aware of the, the things going on within you. So as long as you're kind of remaining unconscious to that, you're not having this power of choice in your life. So you're actually right to feel the other. You just have to look at what the other is in order to choose the higher kind of experience for yourself. Right. Yeah. And it seems, Sarah, like you're really teaching people to 
learn how to feel consciously, to, mm-hmm. to be able to feel consciously, move through those feelings, accept them and get something out of them, maybe some wisdom or transcend them, or just even just be in them, just you in whatever form. It seems like all your meditations, you're really helping people to feel life. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the missing thing is we're not allowing ourselves to feel and we're only hoping to feel the good. And then what happens is we kind of create this stress and and disconnect from ourselves because life is both end again, the paradox, right? So if you can't allow yourself to feel the uncomfortable, you're actually kind of walking around a bit anesthetized, a bit numb. So in order to come more alive and awake, you have to feel, you know, the robust textures of life, so to speak. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What is your goal with Live Awake? Is it to expand past the meditations and the podcast? I mean, you just mentioned that you have a book coming out. Maybe you can, I don't know if you can yet, but if you could tell us a bit about what it's about and kind of what the, what your vision is with everything that you're creating and sharing. Uh, The book is basically just Live Awake in a book form. It's about connecting the self with the heart again, because I think there is quite a divide within us that causes us to stay disconnected from the heart. We've kind of made the heart this kind of precious thing. And, you know, we've kind of put it under this glass and safekeeping, so to speak, to the point that we're not even able to feel it very often. Hmm. So this book is kind of a reconnection with the heart and ways to do that. Um, But the most integral step, and like I was saying, is that you have to face the stagnant waters and the uncomfortable parts within you in order to inhabit the heart on the other side. Mm -hmm. So the book will kind of be a way to reconnect with your feelings, because I think feeling is the missing link. So you feel all of it. You start talking to your feelings. You have this dialogue with your feelings. Then you have the power of choice. And then you just keep diving deeper and deeper into, you know, the painful parts within yourself in order to come to the other side. Mm -hmm. So... It's essentially what Live Awake is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in, in, in this podcast, we, we like to explore the idea of how energy matters in our lives, mm-hmm. right? How mm-hmm. it creates change in the world and, and those kinds of things. In the idea of Live Awake, what is it to be awake? How would you kind of summarize that for someone to find that space or pursue it? Mm-hmm. Um, living awake is living on the surface, <laughs> of your life um, and kind of bringing everything from the unconscious and the reactive levels of your avoidance and whatever else like we've been talking about to the surface so that it is in the light of awareness um, so that it's no longer living in the shadow realms of your body. So you're actually clearing out the energy that way. I think when we allow ourselves to feel both the mighty and the mundane in our lives, we start clearing out those things so they're able to move up and out i don't think we're supposed to get bogged down with these kind of negative and uncomfortable things in our body we're supposed to actually just let them come up and out so you have to let these energies move through you because that's essentially all that's happening right you know like you wake up one day and you wake up in a crappy mood and then by the afternoon you're full of you know light and love again or you know the next day or something what's actually happening is your energies are cycling through you. So I think if you can kind of bring more and more into the light of awareness, you're kind of helping things dislodge from you on a cyclical basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe move through more quickly. Exactly. Like once you recognize that you can move past. It. Yeah. And I've gotten really good at that and I've gotten really good at actually just facing myself as soon as I can. I mean, I still get lost sometimes, 
if things are really big, <laughs> Um, I've also watched myself walking into the dark. I don't know if you guys can resonate with this, but I've actually watched myself kind of shutting down and allowing myself to go into the shadow realms of myself um, and like doing this deep dive into these emotional pits and being like, don't try and take me out of this, you know, like I want to be miserable. Um, <laughs> That's my so mantra. Yeah, right? <laughs> Let me have this, right? Let me have this moment. And I'll watch myself do it and I'll see myself stuck in it for a few days sometimes. But in facing that finally after the few days of distress, I've learned that maybe that has a purpose as well. That maybe in going to the very depths of our untruths, we actually learn how to untie ourselves at the same time. So even if you are in these horrible places that you feel you know, you're choosing, I think it does serve a purpose as far as us learning through our untruths, what the actual truth is. I think everything kind of works together, even if you are in a bad place. Hmm. I don't even have any questions because I'm getting a healing just from listening to you talk. <laughs> <laughs> do you teach? Do you teach, Sarah? Do you teach in person? Do you work with no, people one-on-one or groups? It seems to be the the way things are rolling. It's kind of like yeah. And I, I, I have never done that. I feel like my work is how I teach, but people are actually asking for practical breakdowns for things, which I find a bit like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. And are, are you, inter- you, know, you learn that along the way. Are you interested in teaching in person? Do you want to be in front of groups and work with people? Yes and no. I mean, oh. <sighs> Cody, I think we're pulling Sarah out of her <laughs> shell right my now on this, little bit, yeah. on this show. I'm comfortable behind my microphone. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but a part of me really enjoys like conversations like this. I would like to teach in, in the setting of like maybe just going into a room and having people ask me questions. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I love this. I heard that Einstein went to try and teach class in university and he was like a bumbling <laughs> um, teacher and everybody was kind of like bored and restless and they wanted to leave and they're like who's this Einstein guy right and and then Einstein was like okay I can walk and talk and he chose to take the class out to walk and just talk to him about these things kind of kind of oh, wow. loosen these things for him and I was like oh man Einstein wasn't like because a part of me gets a little bit weird about sitting in front on a pulpit saying this is how you do this because I yeah. also feel like David I know you you teach I, I feel attempt. a bit yeah, yeah I feel a bit <laughs> like my journey is very personal and I feel in almost trying to break it down for someone it's almost <sighs> telling them how to do it instead of them discovering it. I don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense because it is a personal yeah. journey and, and what I am inclined to do could be entirely different for someone else. Definitely. And I guess what my teaching would be is for them to kind of find that voice within themselves. But I guess, yeah. Yeah. And that's the challenge of every teacher is right. how do I, how do I connect with this person or with this group of people without programming them that what <laughs> I know is true, right? Cause the map is always different than the journey and you're always going to get people, at least in my experience, I'm sure Cody, you've had this experience where people take everything you say literally, or instead of doing right. it and living it, they just accept what you say. And then there are the people who are like fiercely independent and really want to know it for themselves. And you're ultimately what you're doing then is is teaching them tools, mm-hmm. meditation tools or life skill tools, awareness tools to find that for themselves. So, yeah, I think that's really common, Sarah, that you get that. But you're such a great teacher. Yeah. I think you'd be amazing in that in that realm. 
Oh, thanks. Well, one of the things that you're always trying to teach is for someone to teach them how to, to find their own answers within or to mm-hmm. tap in or to, in a way, what I've always said over the years is I'm not really teaching you something new. I'm reminding you yeah. of what you already know or who you really are. Totally. And when you discover that in yourself, that's the real answer and the real thing that moves you in your next step or in your growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really teaching you a truth so much as a perspective in how to find your own truth or uncover mm-hmm. that within you and bring it out mm-hmm. into the world. So. Yeah. So, I mean, it's there. There's there's a seed in there and I feel like that's what everybody's kind of wanting from me, but I'm, I'm just watering you down. right now. <laughs> <laughs> the healthy balance within myself too. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Sarah, I'm sure you get lots of messages and emails and mm-hmm. uh, on, on Insight Timer and everywhere else. Have you noticed people reaching out to you, thanking you, telling you their stories about what they're going through, the similarities and how you've helped them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most emails, I'm totally brought to tears. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, when you start teaching or, or doing work that actually starts touching other people, you realize how valuable and and interconnected and, you know, how important it is to actually, you know, be these kind of, just do your work, right? It's like, wow, and now I've helped this person pull themselves out of depression or suicide or all of these things. It's just extremely profound. So, yes. Do you respond? Do you email some people back? Um, That's what I'm kind of struggling with. What do you do, Corey? (laughs) I... I uh, I do respond mostly at this mm-hmm. point. If I get a few a day, I, I I try to respond. I've noticed over time they get a, the responses get a bit shorter because it just takes so much time and energy to be mm-hmm. able to to respond. You know, but if somebody writes me like a long, well thought out email with yeah. a lot they've been through, I kind of really almost like feel an obligation to respond if I can. But really, it's hard to respond. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm not in it as deep as you because I don't know you. Now, the students, like I work one-on-one with, and so does Cody with people. That's what kind of our day jobs are. And, and so that's really the place for us where I'm like, if you want to talk, let's sit down for an hour and let's really work this space. It's hard through an email, just, mm-hmm. you know, one-off for me to understand your life and, and respond in that way that has a lot of meaning. But at least what I do is, re- is validate them. Like, I hear you. I'm so excited that you're taking some amazing steps. Um, yeah. you do, you're doing great. And you know, there's sometimes there's this, you're so, you're so great to me or to the teacher, but it's always, I, whenever I get those emails, I think like, no, I'm not just ask Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, yeah. Just ask my kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. That's how yeah. I feel. So I answer for the most part, if there is long, beautiful emails that have really touched my heart. And I don't mean to be flippant with, you know, people's hearts. Um, but I find it kind of a hard thing to do. And I find almost like my answers aren't needed, <laughs> which mm-hmm. seems kind of bizarre. I find if you answer just quickly and briefly, it's almost more of an insult because you're looking for that intimate connection. And mm-hmm. if I, you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And you don't get it. And I know that from, you know, reaching out to teachers that I have loved to get like, Oh, great. You know? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> what I'm really mm-hmm. longing for is that kind of intimate meaningful connection if I can't really give you that doesn't mean that 
you don't mean anything to me. I just don't feel like I'm necessarily being of service. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. So Sarah's going to start a one to one program and uh, the first 10 people who email listening to this get to sign up. <laughs> well, me and Cody are on the list. So there's eight okay. spots left. <laughs> no, it, it is really hard to yeah, what do you answer do? through emails. I'm not very good at answering, especially those kinds of emails that would create that intimate or deeper connection. You don't um, even respond to my texts. <laughs> I well, hardly fine. respond to David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's very difficult to do over that medium. Exactly. So. And it's almost like you do a disservice to them. Like if somebody right. tells you to help them get over their daughter's death, it's just kind of like, what do I even say to you? Um, mm. And how do I right. say it tenderly enough? You know, I just find it really challenging. How do I say it tenderly enough that you don't feel like I'm kind of dismissing or, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'd right, love to have yeah. coffee with you. You know, that's what I would really love to do. But that's not possible. And especially as things grow, I mean, it gets more and more challenging to kind of sit down and, and answer everyone. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so, Sarah, you still, you, so you were telling us before we started the show that you live in British Columbia and you live kind of out in the woods. Do you live in the woods or you live out in the countryside? In the woods. Wow. <laughs> well, actually, I live on top of a hill, essentially. Um, I have 160 acres of land and I Wonderful. found cougar prints outside my door, Cody. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Well, not outside my door, kind of up in the top field. But I don't, I, yeah, I mean, I live in the wild. Yep. <laughs> but it's Is it isolating? It. Do you love it? See, this is the also really beautiful thing of a spiritual journey as well, is um, when I first moved out to the country, which were the instructions of my spirit, it was like, Kate, you got to go, girl. The only time you're actually comfortable is in a forest or by an ocean. So, you know, get with the program here. But with that came, you know, the loneliness, the isolation, all of these kind of stories and programs just really ignited really fiercely. But if you're kind of inclined to look at things from a contemplative, spiritual, mindful way, uh, it's like, okay, everything is an invitation. And there's always an other side, like loneliness is always hiding something else or fear is always hiding something else. And how can I, and I know that if I stay in this loneliness and I know if I stay in this place of discomfort, that I'm ultimately going to transcend it. I don't think we're supposed to be hopping around kind of solving and avoiding these things. And I think that's why solitude is really challenging for people is because they don't know how to face themselves. But if you actually force yourself to face these things every time they come up, they slowly and slowly unlatch and loosen. I don't say they go away, but they become less of a controlling kind of force in your life, right? It's like, oh, I don't have to run. And what has actually happened in the isolation and the feelings of loneliness is I have become more and more full and more and more whole in myself to the point where I will actually, if I have free time, I'm not going to fill it with other people. And that's not an offense to anyone. That's literally just a pure pleasure I have in my own company, which was not mm. there before facing it. So now I've mm. come to the point where I'm like, oh my God, I love myself. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit with myself. And, you know, not every day is the same. I don't want to paint the picture of like, Sarah doesn't get lonely and Sarah doesn't feel these things. I just mean that they they aren't controlling me anymore. 
And when they do come up, I say, okay, what's the invitation? What's the invitation? Because these things are all structures that we've kind of been taught to believe. Like if we're by ourselves, we're lonely. And, you know, we don't bother to look for the deeper thing behind it. All of, truth is we are whole and we can be whole in our own company. And we have a, a, an unlimited source and well within us that can sustain and fulfill us. And how we get there. And if we choose to do it, then, you know, be prepared to kind of enter the solitude and, and quiet with yourself, mm. I guess. Yeah. So that concept, that idea of loving yourself is really central to that awakening. Mm. Yeah. It is yeah. the awakening. <laughs> it is the awakening. Yeah. Yeah. And you have an amazing meditation on insight timer called um, loving and listening to yourself which is really, really awesome. So and I was just looking at it. I think it's one of your most streamed ones. So obviously it's resonating with people. Yeah, I think people don't, we aren't taught self-love, which I find super sad. Uh, okay. It took me till I was 32 or 33 to actually say those words to myself for the first time. Wow. Um, well, I didn't even, it wasn't even a thing. Like it wasn't even a thought in my mind. Like I should be saying, I love you to myself. And even I love you to my mind and even I love you to my body. Like those weren't concepts that were taught or ever kind of valued. It was like, you go out and you find that love <laughs> and you get people to tell you they love you. <laughs> That's what you do with your life, right? It's not like, oh, okay, well, I can ignite and awaken this within myself. Nobody really taught me or told me about that. And I remember doing some sort of meditation where it was just like, I love you, I love you, I love you on repeat. And you said it so many times that I was like, oh, shush, stop. And then all of a sudden I was like bawling my eyes out. Wow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, wow. And then I felt it within myself. And then it woke up with this whole kind of reality that I had kind of been spending my whole life until that point trying to get other people to feel that for me not realizing mm. I had power to awaken and find it within myself. Yeah. I, I really think that's part of the missing pieces where we're taught to kind of value and put all of our focus in relating to the world and all of our relationships in the world, but we're never really taught to look at and foster the relationship with ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know? and I think that's where meditation is so big and explosive right now is that's what everybody's missing and looking for is, you know, what is it to be truly be with myself and to be connected. And ultimately the end of that would be to truly love yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it, it feels like a daunting thing for people. I think when they start trying to delve into their interior worlds, because you are kind of faced with that uncomfortable potential, you know, meditation can really, I remember when I first started meditating, I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't sit down. I didn't want to be with myself. You know, like I just, I look back to the beginning days of my meditation. It was like, oh man, like it was a really hard process. Now mm -hmm. I have developed kind of my store of self-love and pleasure. And, you know, now I'm so curious when I meditate, I'm like, okay, like, yay. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it's a fun journey. Um, but to get there, it's taken years, right? Oh, so I think, yeah. uh, I think people need to hear that that's, um, going to be part of the process for themselves. This is a yeah. supernatural part of the process. And just to keep persevering and be courageous in the face of your discomforts and just keep yeah. 
I always joke, if you want a clean house, just take up meditation. <laughs> You'll be up and cleaning every time you try to sit down. <laughs> You're doing taxes. You're like, oh, yeah. I will do anything to do avoid anything. myself. Anything. I'm not sit with myself. I'll even spend time with my spouse. Exactly. It's like so wild and yeah nobody taught me about that really either it's like okay, this is the beginning phase it's going to be really uncomfortable and then yeah yeah so. and it takes five it could take five to ten years or more you know i know for me i sat uh for seven years straight in hawaii um yeah i spent a year in india sitting so uh, not you know not that everyone needs to do that by any means but um it's it takes time to grow i think we grow we become right. adults maybe at 25 or 30 psychologically but then we don't really know what it means to be an adult nobody teaches us like how to live uh we're just meant to like make money and a family and somehow like bubble around and yeah. get along but nobody ever is like hey this is how you deal with emotion in a spiritual crisis and right. your mind right. will shut up you know yeah <laughs> But even that idea of how long it takes is paradoxical because the minute you begin, the minute you take that first step, mm -hmm. you begin to create change and you begin to grow. Mm -hmm. And that first step is no different than that thousandth step mm -hmm. other than you've been taking steps all along. So you just have to start right where you are. There's no better you that's going to become a meditator. Yeah. There's no <laughs> future time. Yeah. Um, it's just today. I'm going to mm -hmm. sit with myself for a few minutes mm -hmm. and, you know, begin there. And yes, five years down the road, you still have a, epiphanies and you grow and you even become that much wiser. Mm -hmm. And 10 years down the road and 20 years, you know, I've been meditating for, well, I'm getting old now. So a long time, <laughs> uh, 30 plus years. And I still learn things, right? So do I you guys still... both, do you both meditate every day? Sorry to interrupt. I just want to yeah. know. Yeah, uh, a daily practice. Yeah, um, I don't know about you, Cody. Mine is intuitive, so I'll it'll be at different times of day, at different lengths. Mm -hmm. I don't have like oh, a, yeah. I wake up I at don't nine have an alarm. and I do no. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no. I I think after a certain while, it becomes an art. You know, so if like you're a painter or a writer, some people are very structured, so they do sit and do it at the same time every day. But it's just not my personality, so. I, yeah, I just kind of go with it. Yeah. So sometimes like for me, I'll sit for, I'm a longer sitter. So like mm -hmm. if I sit, sometimes I'll sit for an hour or two. Or oh, more. wow. Two yeah. hours? I've, yeah, definitely sat for even more oh, than that. Whoa, uh, man. <laughs> I get a, I get a medal. I, get my a medal. <laughs> I can do that. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I well, I call it meditating. Anymore. Cody might call it uh, something else, but like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it disappeared. How long do you sit for Cody typically? Um, typically an hour, roughly. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of times I don't put it on the clock, but I don't sit like where I'm frozen. For, you know, it's not, oh, okay. It, okay. it's not sitting and trying to uh, overcome the body or, or control the body. So it's mm -hmm. more of a relaxed sitting. So I may, a lot of times about a half an hour in, I kind of tend to stretch a little, but I'm getting... Okay. I'm getting a little older. Um, That's the interesting thing about meditation too, is like going to teach it is like, well, it's also relative almost, right? And there is right. so many yes. instructions of your own self that you need to respect, right? So Right. And and that's, you know, a part of developing your own meditative practice, I think, is listening to your body. I mean, at least mm -hmm. from my perspective, 
I'm sure there are some practices out there that are all about overcoming the body, but the practice that we teach is all about getting in better communication with your body. Oh, yeah, that's why I teach so you. Honoring your body, self-care, you know, self-love, those are at the core of the idea. So it's not like you're trying to force your body to do this thing so you can get to this other thing. It's mm-hmm. how do I get in harmony and alignment within myself, get into flow more, and and then you know, approach the world from that perspective. Yeah, exactly. I remember talking to a a meditator once uh, who was just beginning to practice and they were kind of going full bore at it. It was like type A perfectionist. And (laughs) at the end he was like, I better be getting something out of this. No. (laughs) But totally like I totally understand where he was coming from because I think I I started out that way as well. But what's the return on my investment? I, I was, no, yeah, I was with some really wealthy people going to some gala in New York City once. And one of them, he was a businessman and he said, David, explain the benefits of meditation to me in 15 seconds. And I was like, uh, it puts you into a state of mind where you don't need to figure things out in 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or I wish I said that. I, I think I just kind of froze at first and was like, uh... No, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what's going on right now. Hey, Cody, where are you? <laughs> Help, I don't have answers. <laughs> Sarah, uh, are there teachers and or books that really inspired you, that got you on the path or that you continue to use to help inspire you? One of the first books I ever read was by Deepak Chopra, and it was when he wrote in the 80s. I don't remember the name, but that really kind of changed my life. I wish I could name it now. Eckhart Tolle. 75 books ago. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, Uh exactly. That guy is so (laughs) prolific. It's wild. Uh, Women Who Run With the Wolves. I can't rave enough about it. I think men should even read it. Um, Oh, I haven't heard of that. Okay. Who was that by? I've heard of that. it's by an author called Clarissa Pinkola's Estes, and she's just like magic. Oh, she like writes how I would, she's inspired a lot of my writing. Um, who else? And you were saying Eckhart Tolle? Eckhart Tolle, of course. Uh, yeah. Michael Singer. I've read pretty much, you know, every teacher. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're a reader. I am a reader. Those have been my teachers. I haven't had a guru or other than myself. But it's always been in books. And I've always kind of been waiting for that teacher. <laughs> like, well, like, aren't I supposed to have that person that, you know, <laughs> sit with or, you know, really ask questions? And and I, and I love that my journey has forced me to ask myself questions instead of, uh, and I do not devalue a teacher at all. It's just that I haven't had one. So I'm like, okay, well, the upside of this is that I've had to dive within myself a little bit deeper, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I- I started with Eckhart Tolle, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I was a teenager and it was incredibly valuable. And that's, I started having awakenings from just reading his books. Oh, so know. I think that's t- a totally a valid way to do it. I don't think you need a teacher. So you're, yeah. you're an avid reader, huh? That's, mm-hmm. cool. that's, that's mm-hmm. really cool. That's funny. Yeah. I started with Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Because I'm uh, Dan Millman. that old. Way of the Peaceful yeah. Warrior? I don't yeah. even think of that. Oh, you would oh, love goodness. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dan Millman. Dan Millman. Dan Millman. Okay, ordering, ordering. He actually just had a great interview on, if you go on YouTube and type in Dan Millman, Lewis Howes, yeah. uh, really good video cast uh, interview with him. And he's been teaching spirituality probably for 50 years, 40 years. 
uh, maybe I'm I'm dating him too much. I might I don't know. How many <laughs> well, years this, it been. was in the He's gonna early like 80s. Fifty uh, years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's been thirty-five. But uh, yeah, his books are are really great. He's a wonderful teacher. But I've kind of hit a wall here with teachings. I don't know if you guys uh, have as well. I feel like um, I, I either need to stop reading entirely yeah. or I don't know, like the content feels like the same. And I know universal wisdom is universal wisdom. So it's just people saying things just a little bit differently, but I'm at a bit of a standstill as far Those as books. goes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I, I, I don't read much at all unless I have a specific like course I'm teaching and I want to just go, what is somebody else's perspective just to kind of jar mine a bit more. And and yeah. I also like to look for stories, like historical stories, mythological stories that I can weave into my teachings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of like reading books for spiritual kind of juice, I, yeah, I've noticed I've put that down a, a, yeah. a while back. I'm kind of like, okay, yeah. first, first paragraph. I'm like, oh. <laughs> heard, heard it before. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's okay. I mean, we're all just saying the same thing anyways, just in different voices, but. Yeah. That's right. That's right. In different ways. How about you, Cody? Do you still read? Not really. I yeah. I haven't read spiritual books in years. I read a lot of books, but not not typically um, spiritual well, that's books. I'm stuck because I can't read a fiction or something because I I feel like it's a waste of time. I'm always been that way. I've been that way too. I've always been a nonfiction. Pr- like I cannot pick up a fiction book. It's the weirdest thing. I'm like I'm wasting my time. I don't know why. I don't know. Why. Well, you know, what I found is like Cody and I, so one of the things that we do is we teach people to read intuitively. So closing your eyes and with your mind's eye, learning to see energy. So, you know, we, wow. we feel, oh but gosh. also, yeah. Guys, this is, I was, when I was thinking about trying to teach, I was like, how do I teach that? Yeah. <laughs> Essentially right. what you're saying. Like, yeah. how do I, I want to take your course. So that's what sure. we do all day. And so oh, then to wow. read a, a book, you know, on on spirituality, it's it's not really how I learn right. and grow spiritually. It's by looking and seeing what's mm-hmm. happening energetically with a person or a group. Or so you've developed what, a system in which you can teach people that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> and Bravo. and so the best thing to read are other people right. because they're books. They're each person is has they amazing chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I remember. For me personally, like I, there would be a, like a relationship phase of my life where I was learning about relationships and I would work one-on-one with people uh, and we're all going through relationship stuff, like 50, 100 people in a row almost. I'd be like, wow. And I got to learn like, this is what breakup looks like. This is what heartache look like, looks like. You know, this is what love looks like. This is what stuckness looks like. This is what abuse looks like. And from that kind of reading energy, uh, I, I started to gain so much that I put all the books down because I was like, I could read anything with my eyes closed. It's so much cooler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, really cool. Yeah. And I remember being four or five years old, picking up like a New York Times or some newspaper and and looking, going and thinking, I will never be able to read this. There are <gasps> thousands of letters. It's impossible. I know. It's imagine, impossible. That isn't that wild. Imagine yeah. me going to journalism school. It was yeah. just like, but you know, there was a reason <laughs> but, for it. But, yeah, but now you don't say like, uh, reading is so hard. But hold, <laughs> give me a minute, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like the 1700s where, yeah. So, so, so in the same way, I think we can learn how to read energy where it becomes second nature or a sixth sense or whatever you want to call it. And you start to just 
work and tap into that space. It takes time. You know, it takes just like practice, any, just anything. like meditation. But I yeah. think it becomes, well, it is really a way to, a different way to look at the world, to mm-hmm. see the world in context of the energy behind things and mm-hmm. the energy that causes things to be a certain way for a person or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's just a very different perspective. Yeah, I remember being uh, really little. I I swear, I don't know if it was a vivid imagination, but I really believe it was real that I could look at people and see inside their houses and not see exactly what their houses looked like, but I could sense the energy in their home and in the person Mm -hmm. when I was really little. And I would be like, ooh, and I'd meet certain people and I'd get all freaked out because I'd be like, there's something really dark um, Mm -hmm. or shadow or whatever. And I have all these kind of, things that I eventually numbed myself from um, because it wasn't encouraged to grow. It was actually discouraged. Discouraged Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, these kids have vivid imaginations. And maybe it is that. I don't, I don't really know, but I'm, I sure as hell felt like I was sensing inside people. Well, the problem with the word imagination is that we've all been taught that that means made up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It is your ability to image something in your mind's eye, right? To see something. So what are you seeing? Well, whatever you're looking at becomes what you start to see. So if you start to look at people's energy, you will see the image of that. And it's no different than an imagination where you're making something up because it's all happening in your mind's eye. I know, but I guess I struggle with, I never get, you never get confirmed. So I'm like, well, am I right about their energy? I don't know. I kind of go, well, maybe I'm just kind of running off something and maybe, you know, how do you know you're actually tapping into the the authentic, you never get confirmed in your answer. Well, you do when you start to open up to seeing people's energy and then realizing that what you will see a reflection of that in your interaction with them. So you might see someone's energy and you go, wow, they're kind of upset. And then you say, hi. And you get a response back that reflects that. Get out of my way. Right, 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 right. Okay, okay, I get it. So you can test it in that way. (laughs) Or in the beginning, you may see energy and you start to just become honest. So you may see someone's upset and you say, why are you angry? And they go, I'm not angry. You go, oh, I see. (laughs) Oh, I know. happened to me and a lady the other day. She started yelling at me and I just said, why are you so angry? Right. And she was like, stalled. She didn't even know what to say. She was like, well, because, and I was like, oh, I'm so <laughs> Why sorry. Why was she like, yelling just, at you? It was a four-way, I thought it was a four-way stop sign and it was only a two-way. Uh-huh. So I slowed down and she was so mad. She like rolled down the window <laughs> as I was driving by her because I had stopped and she had to wait or something. Uh-huh. She was yelling through her car window and I just stopped my car beside her just to say like, oh no, like, why are you so angry? And she was just, she needed to be, you know? Some she needed need a hello to... from you. I know, but she, yeah, she yeah. didn't want my love. That's she didn't sure. want it. At the moment. Maybe maybe it percolated Couldn't a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Next time at that stop sign. Yeah. Well, it, it, maybe it forced her to look at her anger, which is kind of nice. But. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Sarah, can you tell us a little bit about the book you're writing? You mentioned that it's yeah, kind of live con- awake, but... Yeah. Well, it's the connection with the heart, like I was saying before. Um, and I've kind of only written the first, well, I've written pretty much the whole book. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, st- I'm stuck at chapter five a little bit. Um, 
just because I'm trying to go into the deeper uncomfortable stuff that people have to face and trying to show them the other side of that. And I don't really Mm -hmm. know how to teach someone to face the discomfort. I know that can kind of be a risky thing also, learning how to teach people how to meditate. I think something that's often overlooked or not touched upon is that discomfort or those kind of scary things that can be ignited, right? Mm -hmm. Like your internal worlds have both uncomfortable and comfortable things. And I think people think when they start meditating that they're just kind of going to touch into this blissful, peaceful energy. And it's like, oh, but before that, nobody says what happens if I touch on a really dark energy or what if I'm really scared or what if it ignites some sort of feeling that I can't shake or I don't know how to approach. I don't think anybody really talks about that. When you guys Mm -hmm. teach meditation, do you give people tools to kind of transcend that or how do you approach yeah. that? Th- there's a disclaimer that says see a yeah. therapist. <laughs> right. Okay. So you just tell people to see a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Just no, leave them flopping in the wind. <laughs> we do address that because if if you start to move towards reconnection with yourself, the thing you're going to end up becoming aware of is that which disconnected you in the exactly. first place. So right. That's my, so yeah, that's the problem. Yeah. Oh, cool. So maybe the fear or the pain or whatever it is. So we we teach tools to deal with that journey, basically, to oh, work, yeah. to kind of walk that path. I should get you guys to read my rough draft or something. <laughs> <laughs> We'd totally be happy to. Because um, I'm like, I, it's dark now. And, uh. Yeah, of course. I mean, what I would also say to that is I do recommend for a lot of people, if you're going to go into something deep mm-hmm. and there's, for example, a level of, of abuse, which is quite common, yeah, exactly. um, you want to work with somebody one-on-one. That's not something that you're going to oftentimes, sometimes you can, but often get through on your own because, you know, it's so deep and painful that it's good to have somebody kind of hold space and or walk you through some very deliberative steps to to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise you could hurt yourself or get get really lost. Not all of us are as lucky as like Eckhart Tolle, where we sit on a park bench and go, why am I thinking? (laughs) Oh, now I'm awake and then it's over (laughs) you know my i think that his soul is an old one and it just was like it was like a pop tart in a toaster yeah i think that's kind of probably what happened and you know he was on the verge of suicide and so instead yeah, of, i don't I think, think committing it was suicide, as easy as up. the story i think he went that was I know, a pretty he's rough so cute now. journey. He just giggles about it. Right. Yeah. Like, right. I'm sure at the time it was, yeah, yeah. it was a real <laughs> deal. Yeah. But he did not have a spiritual practice. He didn't no. meditate. He So in terms of his awakening, it all just happened. And then I think he explains that he had to go back and kind of learn things and read books and go, okay, let me give this structure so I can teach other people what just exactly. happened to me. So he that had to find a language. Teacher that I heard about, she's quite famous. She's older. I forget her name. Uh, uh, same thing was it Byron Katie? Yeah, Byron Katie. Yeah. And she was just like, boom, woke up and was like different. And then she had no language or, you know, she was like, I, she didn't have any of the background that we do. Yeah. So she had to become a teacher. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Mm -hmm. That's cool. She's got great work. She's, she's a great teacher. Yeah. I haven't explored her, but yeah. Okay. So that is essentially the premise of the book. It's, you know, kind of taking them through the process of getting back to the heart, but just, but it's also going to have the meditations at the end. So it's going to be a kind of a multimedia book. 
which is maybe oh, new for cool. its time. But um, I want to have the meditations at end to kind of ground and be that counselor for the people as they're going through things. So I'll kind of have my loving, you know, hopefully I can help people transcend and shift their perspective when in a dark place. Cause I think that's what my meditations kind of really help people do is they're like, I just feel, you know, I'm in a really dark place and you're the only thing, your voice or the way you're doing it has made me be able to face and be in those places. And you're kind of helping pull me out. So the book will just be, you know, a book. And then at the end of each chapter, there's going to be a meditation in relation to what I'm trying to teach them. So, so is it kind of a walk? Through your journey of awakening? Yeah, I would I would say you so. Would say that? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Because that's, yeah, essentially what happened to me is I closed myself up from my heart and my sensitivities, like seeing into people's energies like I so naturally did was, mm-hmm. you know, translated as a really sick and scared little girl because she wasn't taught tools to kind of, this was power speaking, but people were saying vulnerability is weakness and sensitivities, you know, you're frail and you're weak, right? (laughs) It was like, come on, Sarah, just like, stop sensing disharmony in the world, you know? (laughs) But that's not real. Yeah, exactly. It was like, no, just ignore that, ignore that, ignore that. And I did, right? So I just got harder and harder and harder. And, you know, doctors were like, oh, well, you've got irritable bowel and lactose intolerance, Mm. right? And it was like, Mm -hmm. no. And I think that's what we're all, I don't think I am unique. I think we are all right. born extremely connected to source and what happens is depending on kind of the nurturing we have, which I don't think any of us have much, even mm-hmm. with the best of intention parents, mm-hmm. um, we kind of just then numb and close to this self and this heart. And that's what your feeling intelligence is. And I think before we're able to speak, we're able to sense disharmony in the world. And this is this intricate system of sensitivity that's built into us that if used properly and tapped into can actually help us focus in on and sense disharmony and then work to heal it, right? So it's like nobody tells me that, you know, I'm sensing. They weren't like, oh, so something's off here. Like it was my wisdom speaking. Instead, they were like, oh, you're sick. And, you know. This is physical. Yeah, it was just a thing. And I was separating mind and heart and body. And then my mind, every time I got sensitive, would kind of ignore my emotional needs, right? It was like, okay, you can't go there because, you know, we're not supposed to do that. So then you're just kind of like, again, this is where the avoidance to the uncomfortable places is born, right? It's like, meanwhile, if you look at it, like when a kid is born, right, the only language they have is crying. And crying Mm. is a signal that they are in disharmony and that they need help coming back into peace and love. And that is our, that's a feeling intelligence. That is the first thing we are born with. Mm. And, and yet it's totally disregarded and then abused into submission. It's like, yeah, <laughs> kids like nice. disharmony, disharmony. I need help. I need help. And hopefully the caregiver helps them and brings them back into alignment. And then we grow up without words and then we're still sensing that disharmony, but then we're just thrown in our rooms to control our tantrums, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, we're just sensing, we're asking for a regaining of harmony and love. So it's all gotten bit discombobulated. Right. We get separated from ourselves because that part, especially that sensitivity aspect is Mm -hmm. never, is not really validated by the world as having any value. It's, it's really, we're taught that that is, like you say, a weakness uh, or that's our affliction rather than truly our power. 
exactly. to make our way in the world and to awaken in the world. Yeah, that it is, happens yeah. through our own sensitivity. Exactly. It's um, built into each of us for the exact yeah. same reason. And it's actually to help us come back into a loving environment. But yeah, if we're in relationship with a shitty part of that, right. <laughs> uh, we're kind of going on as we are now, just avoiding everything that, you know, our body is asking us to look at. So that's where things are kind of screwed up. So that my book is kind of like, okay, let's reframe this for ourselves because that's the only way when I was operating under, you know, I was born sensitive and then I numbed myself. And then I started believing people that I was sick and that I was weak. It was actually my wisdom. And then the only thing that dominated my life was fear and control. So then I just became a fearful, controlling person. But then as I, you know, looked at myself, the older and the more I stretched into the world, I realized, oh no, like I had to look at that, right? I had to say, what is this fear about? And what is this distrust about? And, you know, I always sensed a grace in the background. I always sensed that grace. You know, after you have a really good cry or a massage (laughs) and you actually let go of everything, like what are you letting go into? Mm -hmm. And that's the natural rhythm of the universe. I don't believe it's anything other than that. So that is in our bodies, that is in our tissues. And if we work at it and we work on it, we actually do release into that. So that grace is kind of present. And if we know about the backdrop of grace, then we can understand that life is in our favor. And then even though these things are operating within us, and even though we were told our sensitivities are a weakness, we can shift. And I am a testament to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I do not have, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to say that I don't struggle still, but I like the struggle almost now because I know that I'm kind of, I'm going to the next kind of bigger, more expansive understanding. Yeah. Beautiful. You know, that is one of the paradoxes as we talk about this kind of stuff. As you describe that, very easily there's this picture that comes to mind that you've overcome it all and somehow you're perfect. But that is not the goal of the journey. It's to embrace the struggle and be in flow with it, I think. Be stay mm-hmm. connected with yourself through the struggle. It's not to get rid of all the struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. there is struggle in life. Um, there is struggle in growth. There is discomfort, you know, before that big step or that big breakthrough. And that never goes away. But learning to enjoy that discomfort, learning to move toward it is what, you know, allows the journey to uh, expand and continue and and be a joy, really. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always think about is that if you actually think about the physicality of the birth, (laughs) that is you know those are the thresholds right and i don't think as into the world they're any different i think they're just as intense and i think they signal just the same amount of thing that same kind of thing we're on the edge we're being pushed through a tiny hole and if we're if if we surrender yeah we will be kind of the if the mother and the child both surrender then we will be lifted above to this kind of palpable love that we didn't have before. Like if I think about motherhood and being, you know, becoming a mother, birth was insane. But then at the end of birth, once I finally learned to kind of surrender to my body um, and how my life was doing it for me, I really didn't have to choose it, that I was lifted above, you know, to dry ground where I was then birthed into and broken into a love that I had no idea about beforehand. It was kind of like all of these, you know, growth points for us are birthing us into greater and greater capacities of love. So it's really cool if you can look at it that way. Beautiful. 
Sarah, before we finish, would you be willing to just guide us for into like a two or three minute space of connecting with the heart? Maybe. <laughs> you don't have to. I like that answer. Yeah. <laughs> Will you teach us and, and the audience? So close your eyes for a minute now. And what I like to do is I like to kind of breathe a stronger breath down into my chest so that I can hear the hush. And I let that hush kind of pull my sits bones down into wherever I'm sitting. So we'll take a big inhale together and just feel the hush. And just really feeling yourself connected to the earth. Start to kind of wake in body inside yourself a little bit. And you do this by just bringing your focus into your heart center and letting whatever energy is in you kind of wake up from its sleepy state. Let it stretch in your attention. If you can see if you can notice a sort of pulse in your heart center, if you can kind of tap into the beat or a rhythm or a sensation there behind your ribs. There is a heart there. And if it is tender, good, let it be tender. Let that tenderness and that vulnerability come awake. Do not resist it. This is your wisest intelligence. Let whatever is there just come into your focus and let it flood you completely. This heart was given to you as a gift. You did not have to choose it. It was born to you. And just as you have chosen to step toward it and to let it come awake, just as you have chosen to let it and yourself become tender in the presence of this. 
this is your choice. It is yours to choose at every painful time in your life. Every threshold of growth. It is there for you to choose to climb down into when feeling afraid. It is yours to choose to come into intimate relationship with. And just let your love come awake, dear ones, in the presence of your own self. Notice your power your authority. Your source of wisdom within you. And if you ever forget to choose, just remember it is one breath. One step toward this heart. is never farther or more complicated than that. Just been a moment now just being tender. And breathing that tenderness out throughout your arms and your legs through your mind. Allowing everything to unlock and unclench. Take this wisdom into your day now, opening your eyes. Knowing of this source, knowing of your choice, knowing of your power and of your fearless heart. Okay. Wow, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do another 20 minutes of that? <laughs> I was gone over there. I was like, I can't keep talking. <laughs> Thank you. That was really beautiful. Isn't our heart so beautiful? It is. Okay. It absolutely is. Good I could job. feel and even see it energetically and just mm. watch it softening. It was really, really great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you yeah. for out of my comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> One day we'll get you out of the forest yeah. to teach. No way, man. I only talk to trees. 
<laughs> you know, I, I had this thought while you were teaching for some and guiding us for some reason that I think Sarah in her past life was a tree. She would make a really great tree. <laughs> I don't know why. That's my husband. He would be like, no way. <laughs> she was Everybody a panther. My wife is so grounded. It's like, <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Well, we're all actually human beings. I know. Exactly. We have lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sarah, that was really amazing. And thank you so much for coming on Energy oh, Matters and sharing your light with us. Thank you. Thank you, Cody. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And if anybody wants to find you or if everybody wants to find you, which I'm sure they will, I think your website is liveawakeproject.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. And then you can find my SoundCloud and my iTunes on my site. Great. And uh, you could also find Sarah on Insight Timer. And do you have like a newsletter that people could sign up for? No, that's on the list. <laughs> I, have one, I have one of those lists. Oh, <laughs> I do. It's <laughs> on the list. That's awesome. Yep. Well, Sarah, you're doing you're doing such great work and we so so appreciate your time. I mean, you're literally changing the world and uh by letting your light shine and I hope you do go out there and teach in person one day or however it is you decide to do it. Okay, well, you guys let me know if you're doing a course at any time and I'll try and fly to you. You're doing awesome work too. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks everyone for listening to Energy Matters. Insight Timer listeners, thank you. And um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And thank you, everybody. All right. Well, that was Sarah Blondin, everybody. I can barely talk because I'm just coming out of a blissful meditation. That was a great meditation. I loved it. Yeah, she's so talented and she's so uh, just authentic. So so great to have her on the show. Hope we get to have her back sometime. And not only was that a great meditation, but it was off the cuff. She was, we did not talk about that beforehand. (laughs) No, we did not. It was definitely off the cuff. Honestly, before we started the episode, I said, is there anything you want to talk about? And she's like, no, I'm good, whatever. And I'm like, Cody, do we have any questions? And we're both like, nah, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to kind of run with it and and see where it goes. And we probably could have went for another hour or so. But as always, I I kind of wrapped it up for us. (laughs) But it went very beautifully. And I think we got to some really uh, wonderful points about the journey of awakening and about reconnection with oneself. And uh, I think it it was a great conversation. Uh, just following kind of the flow of it, you know. My heart feels tender. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, Um, really, really cool episode. So as always, guys, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Energymatterspodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, Insight Timer, Stitcher, SoundCloud, pretty much anywhere. We'll be in your living room (laughs) coming through your uh, Alexa. If you hear giggling in the corner in your living room, it's us through Alexa. Um, (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening, as always. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Enjoy yourself. Meditate. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to the Energy Matters Podcast with Cody Edner and David Gandelman. Brought to you by IntuitiveVision.net and GroundedMind.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or soundcloud.com.